So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew 21 this morning. It's kind of a light, hopeful, if you've got your Bibles. You'll have your Bibles somehow, won't you? You know, on tech or in paper. So start turning to Matthew 21, verse 28. We've, for about nine weeks, been going through the DNA of us, the church, and what we believe God has been speaking to us about, and who he has made us, and uh, what he's changing us to be like. It's, it's, been a, I hope it's been a building up series. I hope it's reminded you of something that Christ has already done in your life, and it's been calling out of you some of the things that perhaps you're ready to now step into. I hope we've been spurred on in love and good deeds as we looked in Hebrews just the other day. I, um, as I've been preparing through this, I've been really asking, God, would you simmer this down into our hearts? This feels like a, uh, an important series that we won't just hear about, but we will live and enjoy. And it won't just be something that tickled our ears for a little time, but it will be something that changed and altered the way we live. And so we've just kept on banging this drum over this series that as children of God, if you have been saved, you've been born again, born from above, that we now have his DNA, which means it is natural to want to lean in towards love and courage and these values that we've been talking about. Now, it being natural, as we looked at, doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's cheap. It doesn't mean it's simple, but it's natural. It's now something within you that you can do before you were dead to your sins. You were unable to respond to God, but now being a child of God, you can follow him freely. And so we've been looking at these things and, and I trust spurring each other on. And the truth that's released in our lives of this truth of being a child of God is such a fundamental foundational truth, isn't it? But it will result in spectacular results in your life if you can just get hold of it. If you can just more and more take hold of this truth, it will produce spectacular results in your life. Matthew 28, uh, sorry, Matthew 21, verse 28. Notice Jesus starts with a question, which is going to be one that you'll need to answer. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But he later changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. And he said, I will, sir. But then he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first they answered. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you exact, show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe in him. This is Jesus teaching, and uh, we'll look into a bit of the backstory and why he's teaching into this and what was going on around about that time. But first, every now and again, I like to think, what would it be like if I was to tell a parable? like Jesus. If I was to try and tell a story from my own experience, what would that sound like? And so I was kind of thinking about this, and maybe you'd have a slightly different example if you were to try and tell a story to bring through a point in your life. I was thinking about telling this uh, from my perspective. So, um, so Dan went to his two children, and he said to his two children, today, I want you to work in the office. 
one cried out, but I'm a princess and princesses don't work in the office, silly. So she ran to find her wand. The other simply looked blankly at him and choosing carefully from the four word vocabulary that he had managed to acquire, he said, Daddy, no. <laughs> Which of the two did, did what the father wanted? I was thinking like, you know, you look at some of these parables and sometimes you put them in your own context, you think, gosh, how different would that be? Neither doing what I wanted, neither doing what I wanted after they'd thought about it either. You know, it's just... But Jesus is bringing to us two sons, two sons who, uh, who are both children of his. They're both in the same situation as being sons of the father. I think that's really important that we look at and understand they're both his children. And he gives the same command to both. That's important as well. But one does what he says and one doesn't. You might think that maybe just to look at this parable of the two sons uh, is a funny way to sum up a nine-week preaching series on DNA and who we are as a church. But I think this is why, you know, I, I felt God highlight it, and I was really praying, like, oh, what's the, what's the link? And I, as I was praying this couple of weeks, I think this is what God has really brought to mind, that there are many things as we've been preaching and looking at who we are over the last nine weeks that we would probably say, yes, that's awesome. We love that. There's not much that we're going to go, I don't agree with that, actually, Dan, no. So we're probably going to have gone, yes, more of that, please. We started with God's grace and how we were saved not by works, but by God's grace and his love and great mercy towards us. You haven't earned it. It's a gift of God. And we go, yes, we love that. We then looked at his word and how it is like this over our lives. It has authority over us. It's not that we change it to make it align with what we're doing. It's that we change ourselves to align with it. And we go, yes, that seems right. We've been looking at the Spirit and how <clears throat> the Spirit being poured out is the very power by which we can follow up and we can actually respond to God. It's His Spirit within us that gives us power to be able to move in the Christian life. Without it, as someone once said, we're toast. We can't do it. But God with us the hope of glory. So we go, yes. And then we're looking at values, things like love. We want to be a church of love. Whenever we do anything, we want it to be, be flavoured with love. We want it to be flavoured with prayerfulness and courage and humility and generosity and community. These are our six values at Jubilee. And we go, yes. There's not much to go, I don't like that. Or, oh, Damn, that looks a bit, that's evil. No, we shouldn't be doing that. There's probably a lot of things that we go, yes, that sounds good. And we see a lot of evidence of these things in the church. I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to say today that these values are precious to us because we see God doing them. It's not that he's given us a command of something that's impossible to fulfill. No, we see God working in these ways. So I see his love moving beautifully amongst you. I experience it. I see when he's been kind to us. I see when you've stepped out in courage and in these different ways. And it's amazing. So he is doing these things. But a passionate yes, Lord, when we look ahead at the years to come as a church, a passionate yes, Lord, we will do this, is not enough if we follow it up with a life that says no. It's just what that parable's teaching us, isn't it? We can easily be moved in the moment, and I say yes to a whole load of things that I probably should think about for a moment and go, I'm not actually going to be able to do that. It's a no. 
We say yes to a lot of stuff, especially if, like me, you just want to appease people deep down. You don't want to offend. You don't want to cause conflict. So you want to say yes a lot. Then we can be guilty of saying yes a lot, but our lives actually following up with a no. And I think that's really the challenge that we face because we've got this wonderful mission that God's given us, this, this vision that we want to follow, and we've got some of the words of values that we want to, to choose and to live under, like love and courage. But will we say yes to God, and will we live yes? Some background to this parable uh, for you. So Jesus has come into Jerusalem to cries of, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is what they were shouting, and they were taking off cloaks and laying them down, and palm trees were being cut down and laid before him. He was riding in on a donkey, and it was like, wow, this whole place is erupting. And, but Jesus, as ever, isn't kind of tingled. He isn't wooed by their words, and he goes straight to the temple, and he clears it out. He says, this is a place of prayer. This is a place of my Lord. This is, this is not what it's meant to be used for. And so he goes straight in and clears out the money changers and corrects something straight away. You would have thought he would just enjoy the praise for a moment. You know, Jesus has been a hard road. You've taken so much flack and you've got a tough road ahead. Just enjoy the moment. But he doesn't get won by it. He still has, he has what his father's asked him to do so clear in his mind. And so he wants to do what his father has asked him to do. He then begins teaching the people around him about the kingdom of heaven in different ways. And we get, to this, we get to this bit of scripture, and the example is two sons. Two sons that are asked to do the same thing. One replies yes, but doesn't do it. The other replies no, but in the end does do it. And then he asks who did what the father has wanted. And I think when I look and I pray, and it feels quite a sobering moment when you get to the end of trying to share who as a church we believe God is calling us to be, and I think which, which, did, which church did what the Father wanted. That's a thought that I have every now and again. Because there's so many temptations to do what people want. And I'm going to tell you now, there are some things in Scripture that people are going to disagree with the church about moving forward. It's just going to happen. And more and more so, it's going to become unpopular and it's probably going to become something that really, if, you, if your tendency is to people please like me, you're going to find yourself in a real struggle because you won't be able to do both. But that thought comes to me, which church did what the Father asked them to do? You could keep yourself so busy. I think this is one of the reflections coming through COVID, wasn't it? Man, we just kept ourselves so busy. And, and how many of us going through COVID went, I don't think I want to get back to that place. And where are we now? <laughs> are we back there? Or have we picked up some of these things? Are we doing what the Father has asked us to do? Some of you are going, yes, and well done. Keep going. It's interesting because then Jesus switches from a metaphor that he's telling about a father and two sons. He's not necessarily thinking about a father and two sons. He's telling a story. Um, but then he switches to, from a metaphor to a real-life example. Did you notice that? And he says that the prostitutes and the tax collectors, and we're meant to at this point go the shady ones, yeah? The ones that morally are questionable in their choices. We're not meant to go, oh yeah, they're obvious ones to come into the kingdom of heaven. We're meant to go, what's going on there? Because he's speaking to those churchgoers. He's speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And yet he's saying that the prostitutes and the tax collectors are coming in ahead of them. Those that said a firm no to God in their lifestyle. 
You know, you couldn't have got more firm than a tax collector of the day or maybe a prostitute. It's like, this is God's law, and they are saying, no, <laughs> we do not want to do that. And yet, when you see Zacchaeus' story of how he encounters Jesus, and the guy gets down from his tree and prepares his house, and Jesus comes to spend time with him, what does it say at the end of that encounter? He gave back to those he had stole from four times. Man, that's a changed life. That is someone that has had this challenge of the gospel and gone, I'm going to change. I've been going, I'm changing direction. Or maybe you think of the, the lady that, um, who had a life of prostitution who came to Jesus but breaks in repentance that jar and, and washes his feet with her hair just in, in an act of worship and adoration. And you look and you go, wow, that is a, that is a transformed life. And so Jesus is challenging us. And, and the contrast is obviously those who do morally good things. They're middle of the road. They're, they've not done any of those naughty, sinful things. They look good on the outside, but really, and, and, well, they not only look good on the outside, but they say good things on the outside. They say yes to God a lot. They say yes to what he says, and they say it loudly so that others can hear. They say yes to the preachers a lot. So they say it so that the preacher can hear. That was wonderful what you said. Oh, yes, yes, we're going to do that. But actually, it leads to nothing. And this is the challenge that we're seeing in the kingdom of heaven. You know, I, was, I recently heard of a young lady who um, was in a same-sex relationship. And she was introduced to Jesus through a friend of hers. And she just utterly fell in love with him. And in the process, she realized that her, her lifestyle choices were really in conflict with the Bible and the word of God that she was now saying she wanted to follow. And this was all, all going on inside of her. And so she made an amazingly courageous decision and said, Do you know what? I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to lay down my relationship. What a courageous lady. My goodness. So she decides to go after him. She's later chatting with some Christians and uh, over coffee, after a service, nice, nice, having a little chat. And she's doing this radical thing, following Jesus Christ. And she asks them each in this little circle, so what did you all give up to follow Christ? Her expectation was, surely we've all given up something massive. This has cost us everything, hasn't it? So what have you given up? I can imagine the Christians around were going, oh boy, wow. But this is exactly what Jesus is speaking about. It's exactly what he's talking about. Maybe it's been a little while since we've said, said yes and then we've followed it up as a Christian in the hidden place. Maybe it's been a while since we've said yes on a Sunday, raised our hand for prayer and then on Monday gone, do you know what? I'm not just going to let that go. This means something today. I don't know what God's asked you to do specifically. And more importantly, I suppose, I don't know if you're doing it or not. I know there's a tendency in the human heart to not. So I think it's, it's a valid thing to talk about and to, to look at. But maybe you're pursuing him. What I do know is that it's much better to pursue God in community together with others who are pursuing him. Because as we saw a couple of weeks ago, we spur one another on to love and good deeds. So I just want us to really understand by this simple illustration of a signpost. I want to bring it home. We've got on this side, we've got yes. And this way leads to no. 
And I suppose going through each of our values, I just wanted us to, to look at this signpost and see, are we pursuing Christ in these areas? Or actually, have we said no? And I would say, if you're not at the place of saying yes, it is better to say no to God. Surely that's one of the things we see in this scripture. Don't lie. Don't make it up and not follow it up with a lifestyle. But we need to be honest. Are we following Christ in these areas or are we not? So one of the areas that we've been looking at as a church over these weeks, and today is a bit of a summary, so I'm just going to go over some of these things that we've seen, is love. And we all go, yeah, like a bit of love. Love's good. Yes, yes, I want to have love. But some of us, we have to realize we're saying, yes, yes, Lord, I want love. And we're walking this direction. Yes, I want love. I love this. Uh, I want to model love to my friends and family. And yet we're heading in the direction of no. I want to just give a real life example of this that's going on at the moment. That I was speaking to someone on the staff team and they were talking and we were talking about Matt Hancock being in I'm a Celebrity. And uh, he's on TV. Now, if I don't, I've, haven't watched it, um, and so maybe like me, this is going a bit over your head, but I'm telling you, it's the most watched TV program. So there's a lot of people of your friends who are watching it, so it's helpful for you to be aware of this. So there's this reality TV program that Matt Hancock has gone in. Okay, and uh, perhaps quite a lot of us, uh, we see him going in there, and we wonder, is some joke being played on him that he is unaware of? You know, it's like, oh my goodness, like, don't watch, but this could be amazing TV, which is why I'm a Celebrity has got him on there. He's a man that's got this country into a lot of stuff, and it's confusing, and, and some have even called him public enemy number one. You know, this guy is really, he epitomizes what we don't like maybe at the moment about our society or about our politicians. You know, I met a pastor during lockdown who his wife passed away in the first lockdown. And the rules were so strict at that moment that he was not able to stand with her when she passed away. He wasn't allowed in hospital. It's unbelievable. I was hearing this guy's testimony. I was going, man, how have you been through that? And this is the reality of some of the rules that were put in place for our country, right? And the thing that we were going through at the time was at least we're all doing it together. At least we're all doing this thing together because it's really hard. And, and for some of my friends, this was so hard. And for some of you, it was really, really tough. And then we find out that there was a double standard. And that's a tough thing to get over, right? And that's what the country's angry at the moment. It's about this double standard. And so maybe the jungle is this opportunity for voters now to start voting in. Oh, great. We get to really show our displeasure to this guy because now he's given us an opportunity to vote. I think we could probably pick 5, 10, 20 things about the character of Matt Hancock that we could really drill down into and go, yeah, let's not be like him. But here's the thing. Isn't this exactly what confused the disciples about Zacchaeus? Isn't it? The guy hadn't changed his life before Christ came to him. He was still swindling people. He was still using his position to rob the people he was supposed to be serving. He had this double standard thing going on. But Christ came to him. And he even used him as an example that he would be coming into the kingdom before the religious ones. What? You start to see how radical what Jesus was saying is, right? So maybe there's a temptation to revel in this moment. He's in the jungle. Brilliant. But I would say, if we're going to head the way of love, we've got to watch that. If we revel in the way of, in the misery of others, then I'm telling you, you're not heading in the direction of love. 
That's not what Christ did. It's not what he modeled. It's not what he said. If anything, you're saying, yes, yes, we love, we love this word love, but we're heading in totally the opposite direction. And it will affect you. It will affect your soul if you allow it to. We say that I will love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's the first and greatest commandment. And just like it is to love your neighbor. So we love these things. Yes, yes. But boy, is that a tough one. <laughs> so we love the Lord our God with all our strength, with all our might. Surely this is going to affect us day to day, right? And Jesus even extends that, doesn't he? To love your neighbors, uh, to love your enemies. Not just your neighbors like yourself. Okay, we can just about wrap our heads around that, but love your enemies. So public enemy number one, what should we be doing? How should we be talking about this? Should we be entering into what everyone else is with just this enjoyment of someone who's just getting their comeuppance? I tell you, that is the teaching of karma, not of Christ. Christ models a different way. He models a totally different way. Secondly, prayerfulness. And we say, yes, yes, we love this word of prayerfulness. And we don't even realize sometimes we're heading in the wrong direction. It's like, well, hopefully some people are liking prayerfulness, and so the church will be a prayerful church. But this is something that we all need to take hold of, and it needs to, to set a place in our hearts. If we have made no adjustment to our lifestyle, having talked about prayerfulness in this church, or if we intend to make no adjustment when the next week of prayer comes around, or the next prayer central, then we simply are not responding to the call to be a prayerful church who sees the kingdom come. We carry a vision to host over 100 at our prayer meetings each month and through the week of prayer. At the moment, I'd say we're about halfway there, maybe a little over half. So there's a way to go. But this is something that we want to take seed, and not because we should do this as believers, but because we've said yes to Christ and we respond out of his love. You see, there's just such a difference in what we say. And Sunday yeses are easy. I want to say that right now. I'm telling you, it's the Monday, it's the devotion, it's the hidden place, it's the things we do when no one gets to see or praise us. They're the tough ones. Courage. Yes, yes, we love this value. Who doesn't like courage and seeing those that are courageous and hearing their stories? But often we are going in totally the wrong direction. I would love us to get to the place that we see the Christmas event coming up and we go, yes, this is the opportunity I've been waiting for. I've been praying for my friends. Now I'm going to see if God's going to answer those prayers. I'm going to invite them and maybe they will come. Because this is what looking like courage looks like and it heads in the yes direction. Over the coming years, I'd love to get to the point where we send 50 members from Jubilee per year on mission to other nations. I'd love to get to that. Something on my heart that we would raise adventure in the church, that we would send people, because I tell you what, if you go, you get more done, there's more done to you than there is to the place you've gone, right? Like, it changes who you are. You have to step into faith. You have to rely on God. But we need to send people. We need people who are willing to go, not just going, yes, yes. We've got so many opportunities. We've got so many links. Berlin, Pete over there. We've got Zambia, Guernsey raising up. We've got Ukraine in the coming time. I'm looking forward to rebuilding that place with our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. We've got Uganda. All these places and opportunities. 
And you can go on adventure to these places and it will take courage, real courage. You won't know whatever, you know, you won't understand the culture and everything that's going on, but you will rely on God. Humility. I'm just going to rush over these last ones, unfortunately. You're probably getting the picture. These are values that I don't just want us to put above our doors in this center and to go, yep, that's the kind of church I belong to. I want it to be the church that we are, that we enjoy. It's who we're becoming. It's what God's made us to be. And I want us to be able to, when we ask, did this church do what we were asked to do? Did we respond to God? Like the sons responding to the father, did we do what the father asked us to do? I want us to be able to say, yes, we did. As best we could, with everything we had. And that is a tough call, right? Great values. I can only highlight them to you enough. You know, it's humility, generosity, community. Wow, these are stunning, stunning values. Hmm, Father God. I had a picture just the other day in prayer. And um, we're praying for someone for healing. I'd gone round to their house with the other elders and we're just like praying for them. And on the wall, I'd actually totally forgotten that we were coming up to um, Remembrance Sunday. And on the wall is, uh, they have got this painting with a couple of poppies in this beautiful meadow. And uh, I just, as I was looking at this, I just had this picture of poppies scattered. It was like a field now that was covered in them. You know those fields that you see at the right time of year where they're just red with poppies. And this picture, so poppies represent, and as I saw this, I knew that poppies represent death, mainly because of today. If you see a poppy, it means death. That's what they represent. And I saw these fields of poppies that represented death. And I was reminded of Jesus saying, go out into the fields, pray that the workers will go out into the fields, because the harvest is ripe, for, because there is a ripe harvest. And I saw these poppies, as the harvest came, they died. But as they died, it was like they transformed to be Christ-like. It, you know that scripture that says, only when a seed dies in the ground, it then can live. And it was like that. It was like when the harvest came, these poppies that represented death died, and instead there was Christ. And I saw this, this field transform and change before me, and I was just praying for this town. Even today, it feels like something I, I just want to share with you, that we would, we would get a heart for our town that we would so love. At the moment, we may see just this scattering of what represents death at the moment, but we know Christ, and he said, pray for the workers to go out into the field. Should we pray? Father, there's so much that we have looked at over the last weeks. Lord, we give you thanks for what you've spoken over us. Sometimes what you say over us just seems too good. We, we go, but that can't be us. Surely, Surely, when we understand love truly, we go, wow. But God, you have called us to these things. God, I pray that you would give us a real understanding of when we are saying yes with our mouths to something, but living in a way that displays no with our lives. Lord, as we sing, we pray that our lives will outlive our words, that our deeds will outlive our song. Lord, we pray we pray for the sake of this nation and this town. Lord, we ask, give us such a great vision for what you are doing. God, we thank you. You have made a way. We thank you. Jesus, we ask now, Holy Spirit, Lord, cause these things to come alive. Cause these things to come alive. 
maybe there's something from today that you know you've got to do. Just want to land it real quick. Maybe there's something you know you've got to do. Every single time a certain subject is talked about, you always go, yes, yes, I will. But you don't, <laughs> and you know it. You need help, my friend. You need help. Ask someone for help. Don't do it alone. If there is something, and it's different probably for all of us, but if there is something over coffee, just say, do you know what? I've always said yes, yes to this, and it's never really taken seed in my life. You know God has called you to it. It's like the father has said, I want you to go and work in this area, my son or daughter, but you never have. Talk to someone and ask them, would you pray for me? Because he wants you to come into the fullness of life he's given you. Yeah, Father God. Lord, we just thank you for what you've been doing over this series. We thank you for your life. We pray now, send us out in the power of your spirit. Use us, God. Use us to proclaim your name, to lift your name high. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, I don't know if there are any things to send away. Sam, would you do it? Thank you. Hey, my name's Dan Baptist and I'm lead pastor here at Jubilee Community Church. We really hope that something from this morning's word has blessed you and reached you. And if you'd like to talk about anything you've heard or just be able to talk about maybe faith or get some prayer, then please get in contact. You can email us, give us a call at the centre and one of the team's going to get back to you. We'd love to do this, especially if you're just thinking about what it is to become a Christian. You want to sit down and really talk that through with anyone. We also run regularly on a Sunday some joining the church courses. And if you want to know more about Jubilee Community Church and what it is to belong here, then you can just uh, find out online when the next one of those is going on and you can attend, have a meal, sit down, talk about it. We also have some amazing midweek group life uh, where it's a great opportunity to dig further into your faith. Again, you can find out that on our website too. Anyway, just wanted to say hi and uh, bless you and we'll catch up soon.